you so much, Karen. Good morning, everyone. Um, I should say before uh, we go to the passage this morning, you'll notice in your announcements about the half night of prayer. Um, Ash Wednesday it actually starts at seven o'clock, so it runs from seven until ten. The time isn't there, so apologies that it's not there. So as Karen says, come along for part of that or all of that if you can. It's a really special time, a really important thing. In fact, it's St. Anne's on Wednesday night. Ian Hannah, who I believe Ian is still the worship pastor at Port Stewart Baptist. He was there and he was sharing about praying for the town of Coleraine. And one of the things he challenged, I, I went away with really challenged, was that it's so easy to do the big event, but it, the hard thing is the constant little drip, 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 as he said, of just prayer and developing that culture of prayer. So I would love to encourage you from seven o'clock until 10 on Wednesday, come along and pray. Okay. Um, Colossians chapter 3 is where we are. I'll be on the screen um, behind because I'm going to read from the um, NIV today. So we are going off the blue book. So apologies for that, but it will be on the screen behind. We're actually going off topic in terms of going through the 100 day. So we should be in a different passage. I think it's Acts we should be in today. But I thought because there'll be a baptism this morning that I wanted to kind of do something different this morning. So we're going to do Colossians chapter 3, okay? So it's very much um, an evangelistic type talk this morning, okay? So you'll get to see that more if you stay around for the next service or there's baptisms again tonight. But this is just, I want to give a very clear, try to give a very clear presentation of the gospel, okay? So that may or may not be of interest to you here. It should be of interest to you um, in this place this morning. So let's do a different style of sermon today. So we've a little bit more time in this. So my talk isn't going to be very long at the second service. I won't be terribly long at this one either. But maybe what I could show you this morning is how I think in terms of how we get this passage and how you might be able to preach this, okay? So this is just a learning morning, okay? Up for that? Good excitement on your faces. Encouraging for me? I'll just preach a sermon. How about that? Colossians 3 says this. This is God's word. The reason I'm doing Colossians 3 is because of the title of this one. It talks about being alive in Christ. Is that what baptism is about? Becoming alive, dying to something and becoming alive in something, okay? Well, that's why I picked Colossians chapter 3. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died to your life and it is now hidden in Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. But put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off the old self with its practices, and have put on a new self which is being renewed in Christ in the image of its creator. 
Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgive you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray before we work through this passage together. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the drama of what baptism is. Thank you for the truth of the gospel that is in that act that we will witness at the next service and we will see again tonight. But God, also thank you for your word and thank you for the gospel which is so clearly portrayed here in Colossians chapter 3, chapter where we are supposed to put some things off and put some things on, kill some things and bring other things to life, remove some things and add some things to our life. So God, as we work through this passage Whoever we are, whether we are Christians, whether we've been walking with you for a long time, or whether we maybe have been in church for years, but yet have not made a decision yet, or maybe we are here for the first time, but wherever we are, wherever we are spiritually on that journey, I pray that you, by your Holy Spirit, will come powerfully today, bring these words to life through the illustrations that we will use in this simple message this morning. And I pray, God, that you'll encourage us, you'll challenge us, or you'll stop us in our tracks where we are faced with a decision that we have to make. So, Spirit of the living God, come, breathe, and move in this place. And do that for your glory and your honor. And everyone said, amen, amen. Okay, so as I mentioned in my prayer, there is something in this passage, and just even at the first read of it, there's something in this passage about things that we're supposed to put on and things that we're supposed to put off. Things that are supposed to be in our life and things that are not supposed to be in our life. In fact, maybe one way you could look at this passage is it's kind of saying spiritually, there's some things that we should wear and some things that we should not wear. So that's why I want to call Colossians chapter 3, what not to wear. So I was starting to think about that during the week, and I thought about in the early 2000s, in fact, from 2000 to about 2005, there was this, I was going to say a famous show, it wasn't really particularly famous, but this was this show on TV by two fashion experts. I, rem- I wonder, do you remember the name of the show? What not to wear. Who was the two people in that show? You remember? Next slide. Do you remember Trini and do you remember Susanna? Yes? Remember that? This was Age of Your Seat watching, viewing back in the day, okay? Before Netflix and for all of that, this is what we ended up doing. These are two fashion experts that used to come along and they used to inform the fashionably challenged, shall we say, about what not to wear. 
and things that you should wear. And I'm looking around here today, and you never would have been on that show because you all look lovely this morning. But there's some people believe this. It's hard to believe. There's some people, and they struggle with what to wear or what not to wear, okay? And they wear some random things. And the whole idea of this show was these two fashion experts would tell you what you should wear and what you shouldn't wear. And as I watched this show, I say I watched the show. Rachel used to watch the show, and I, I had to watch the show as well. But it used to be on, and, and basically what I, I saw on this show was I, I actually witnessed Trini and Susanna actually take pairs of scissors and cut items of clothes, burn items of clothes, and bin items of clothes that no self-respecting person should ever wear. I once read in a book of theirs this quote. The secret of style success is to show the bits you like and lie about the rest by covering it up, which might be good advice fashion-wise. But I guess spiritually, it's not very good advice. In fact, when I read that quote, I thought, well, isn't that the exact thing that we do with sin? We do that. We don't like to talk about our sin. We don't like to show our sin. We like to hide our sin or we like to cover it up. And To cover it up is really bad advice because it's never worked out well. You can go all the way back to Genesis and you can see Adam and Eve tried to cover it up and it didn't work out well for Adam and Eve. And it doesn't work out well for you or I. We're trying to cover things up. So it brings us back to Colossians chapter 3 because this isn't, I'm not one to be telling you how to wear, what to wear and what not to wear or fashion because you probably look at me and think he hasn't a clue what he's talking about either. But what about Colossians chapter 3 and this what to wear, what not to wear? Look at verse 5. It tells us to put to death some things. And that's very harsh language as we start our series of what not to wear. Put to death sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. Put to death those things. Now, those are private thoughts for the most part, but they never, all, they never stay private thoughts. Those private thoughts always find a way of becoming public sins. These are things that we think about. These are things that we become obsessed with. These are lifestyles that we pursue. And we try to keep them hidden, but they leak out into our public life every now and again, no matter how much we try to cover them up. And when it comes to verse 5, and it says, put to death these things, it's very brittle language. Very brittle language. Like the author isn't saying, look, try not to put greed and lust together because they kind of clash. Put to death these things. Put these things away. Don't have these things in your life. You are not to have these things on you in your life. Kill them. Throw them off. And these are things that we pick up in the world that we live in. We saw that in Colossians 3. We live in a particular world and we can experiment with that world or we can do some of the things that are in that world or we just get contaminate it with the world around us. And we pick some of those things up and some of those things stick to our clothes and we end up wearing those things and we're polluted by those things. Our clothes, our life, our lifestyle, and our hearts get polluted with these sins that we try to cover up and keep hidden away. If you look then at first eight, it says rid yourself. So kill some things or rid yourself. Rid yourself of anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, and lies. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, and lies. These are things we say. These are words that we use not to build people up, but to destroy people. So you can see that these, these are called... Uh, 
faces, you faces and virtues that you have in here, comparing and contrasting these faces. So things that we think about, but they always they can stay hidden in our head. Like I don't, I wouldn't know whether any of you are thinking or involved in any of those things, but they always spill out into our life. Or we try to bite our tongue, but sometimes these things come out and we say these things and we destroy people. But sin is always destroying us. So here is, I guess you could think of Colossians 3 like a coat. Like a coat in verses 5 and 8. I wonder, do you have a Colossians 3 coat? Do you have a Colossians 3 coat? I brought a Colossians 3 coat along with me today, okay? I've kept it hidden. I've hid it away over behind me to the side here. I'll show you my Colossians 3 coat. I brought it in my wee portable um, wardrobe. Here it is here. So we like to keep our sin hid away. We like to keep our sin in here where nobody can see into our sin. But here is our Colossians 3 coat. I'll just get it out and I'll put it on might look silly, but this is what we do sometimes with our sin. So here's our Colossians 3 coat that we like to wear. That's what it is. Just different things that we pick up along the way, different things that we wear. We've just been out in the world and we just pick some things up, a bit of anger, but it's not my fault I'm angry, it's their fault they're angry, because if they hadn't cut me up on the way in, well then I wouldn't have been angry. Or there's rage, or there's different things. Well, if, it, if that show wasn't on TV, or if it wasn't so accessible on the internet, then I wouldn't be involved in those types of things as well. And we try to cover things up. And the thing about this type of coat is, it looks ridiculous. But this is the coat that we sometimes wear. But we do our best to try to hide. We do our best so that no one gets to see these things. And we try to rip some of those things off. But there are always little bits of it left behind us. And it's eating away. It's eating away at our souls. But you know what? I've had this on for a few moments. And it kind of feels a bit comfortable. It kind of fits as well. Like you might not think it looks very cool. But it's, it's kind of comfortable. And I just get used to it. And I just put up with it. And I try my best to hide it but I just feel quite comfortable in it. But what it says in Colossians 3 is that these things, all of these things that are on this coat are things that are slowly eating away at me and they are killing me. In fact, there's one Puritan that has this lovely phrase, powerful phrase that says this, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Be killing sin or sin will be killing you. I once read a story of a man who walked from New York to San Francisco. That's a distance of 3,000 miles. At the end of that walk, he was asked, what was the most difficult part of that walk? What was the bit that almost had you on your knees, throwing in the towel, giving up? Do you know what he said? He said it wasn't the difficult steep slopes of the mountains. It wasn't the difficult hot barren walks across the desert. You know what he said? The bit that almost stopped him, they almost give up, it was the sand between his toes. It was the dirt and the grit and the sand that was between his toes. And sometimes it's those little tiny things that we overlook and don't think are all that important. It's those little things that have the power to destroy or to defeat us. Sometimes it's the same with sin. Those small sins. Like it's only a bit of anger. It's a little bit of rage. It's, it's just a, it's, it's a little bit of filthy language. Like I, I just was one of those moments and I was cross and I was angry and it just slipped out. But these are little things. 
things that have the power to destroy and kill. And Colossians 3 is telling us, and God is telling us to kill these things. John Piper has this quote that says this, God is not a killjoy. He just opposes what kills joy. Does that make sense? We might think these things are nice, and enjoy. Because here's the thing, sin, there's an element to sin. The temptation with sin is that it promises freedom. It promises satisfaction. And it's enjoyable because why else would we pursue it? Why else would we go after it? But it is not joy. It will kill our joy. It will take away our joy. And we either get killed by our sin and allow it to slowly eat away at us, or we need to be killing sin. Also in Colossians chapter chapter 3, it says in verse 6, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. The reason you need to get rid of these things, not only because it's killing you, but because God's wrath, God's anger is coming. And maybe you're in here today and you're kind of going, that's the big problem I have with church. That's the big problem I have with religion. That's the big problem I have with God. If God would just stay out of my life, then it would be okay. If God would just stay out of my life, then I could just go on with it and I could enjoy it and I could do my own thing. That's why I don't like church because church always comes and says, here's a bunch of really good things. It's enjoyable and you'll be tempted by these, but here's why you shouldn't do them. And maybe if God just stayed out of my life, then it would be easier. Maybe you would say this morning. And here's the danger with a coat like this here. A danger with a coat like this here is, well, I get comfortable and I kind of like these things. I want to keep these things. There's maybe some things on here that I'm just okay with. And I just want to hold on to them and I want to keep them because we do enjoy sin. Or the other danger with it is, is that you've kind of become overwhelmed with your guilt and your shame. Or you've listened to the lies of the enemy that says, see that coat you're wearing, Mark? See that Colossians 3 coat you're wearing? That's you. That is who you are. You'll never be better than that coat. You never break free from that coat. You'll always be entrapped by that coat. That coat will always be on you and it will always slowly be killing you. You're now in, you're in too deep and you're stuck and you're trapped and this coat will kill you. So that's all you're ever going to be, Mark. So rather than running to God, I end up running away from God because of my shame and guilt. Well, Colossians chapter 3 offers us some hope. The hope is that you can take this coat off. You can get rid of this coat. It can come off and you can get rid of this coat. How do you take off that coat and get rid of this coat? Well, in verse 12 of Colossians 3, it says, as God's, this is beautiful, as God's chosen people, holy, dearly loved, clothe yourself or put on. So take something off and put something on in its place. Put on verse 12 and 13, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Put on forgiveness. Put on these beautiful virtues. Then it comes to verse 14, and over all these virtues. All those beautiful virtues wrap yourself in love because it holds everything together in perfect unity. And here's the thing about Colossians 3. It's not just trying to get you to be a better person because I know loads of people who aren't Christians who are very good at doing some of the things in verses 12 and 13. They're lovely, kind, compassionate, forgiving people. I know some people that aren't even Christians don't even come to church and they're very loving. Maybe more so than some people that actually come to church, if I can say that. What is on display here? Is it just go away and try to be a nicer person? 
Like over the rubbish coat you're wearing, try to stick some nice things onto it. What, what is it saying? Just, just, be, just love. Well, the love that's on display here is obviously the gospel love. It's obviously the love that Jesus displays on a cross. And there is no love greater than that love that is on display. Even as we are wearing this coat. And all I've done is stick some printouts of words on this. But could you imagine those things actually stuck to you? The horrible, toxic things of sin stuck to you. And in love, Jesus went to a cross to die for you. In love, he went to a cross to give us freedom. In love, he went to a cross so we could get rid of that coat. The most beautiful display of love is a display of love on a cross. I love this quote from Dixon. It says, In Jesus Christ, on the cross, there is refuge. There is safety. There is shelter. And all the power of sin upon our track cannot reach us when we have taken shelter under the cross that atones for our sin. Here's the only way you can get rid of that coat. The only way you get rid of that coat, the only way you get rid of sin in your life is if you bring it to the cross. And if you gets destroyed by Jesus on the cross. And maybe you're not convinced of that. Maybe you kind of think, no, Mark, if, if you could see my sin. Like, it's kind of funny you wearing your coat this morning, but it's not funny in my life because I live the realities of these out and I am trapped. I have so much guilt. I have so much shame. You, you know the train wreck that I've made of my life. Maybe you're not convinced of that. Maybe you're not convinced that Jesus is enough or that his love is enough or that the cross is enough. Can I encourage you in Colossians 3 to jump back a couple of chapters and go to one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible? Colossians chapter 2. Here's what Colossians chapter 2 says. For when you were buried with Christ, when you were baptized, and and with him, sorry, for, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. For he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this very way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and the authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on a cross. I love Colossians 2. I love the power of the cross. I love the power of God's love through Jesus on a cross. Is it able to break off our sin? You will see this morning and you will see tonight people baptized, people that have died to a new or to an old life, or people that are making commitments not to live to an old life, people that are raised to new life. In baptism, there is the drama of the gospel, the drama of the cross, the drama of God's love that is on display. You can come here this morning and you can leave exactly the same. Or you can come here this morning, you can meet with God, you can meet with Jesus, you can meet with the Holy Spirit, and you can step into that love or his presence, and it can change your life. I'm not going to promise that your life will always be easy or always be perfect, but you can leave here this morning with your life completely transformed. You don't have to wear your Colossians 3 coat. You don't have to be identified by the stuff that's on this. You don't have to be trapped by that. You can kill it, you can get rid of it, and you can live a new life only because of Jesus. 
So I want us to think this morning about the cross. I don't know where you are spiritually. I don't know if you've made a decision or not. Maybe you're a bit cold this morning. Maybe you've kind of backslidden a bit. I do not know where you are this morning. But can we just pause for a moment and just consider the weight of God's love? Can we just consider the cross? Consider what is on offer and what is on display through Jesus this morning? This is one of the most important and probably weightiest of things that you will ever think about. Where are you with God? Where do you stand with God? What is your identity? What is the coat that you are wearing that you are trying desperately, desperately to hide? What of those vices is the thing that you're trapped with? You can be set free this morning. And the only way you can be set free is if you come to Jesus this morning. And you can come to Jesus this morning. You can come to Jesus this morning because there's grace. As we end with this quote, there's grace for you, there's grace for me, there's grace for us all this morning. There is grace for your guilt, grace for your shame, grace for your weakness, grace for your rebellion, grace for your foolishness, grace for your pride. There is grace. Let's pray together.